Oh, hey, kiddo. How was the hill? Educational. Oh, learned a new trick? Yeah, the trick to a happy, fulfilling life, maybe. I learned that mountain air unleashes my inner peace. And rip and pow, well, the whole crew's all, yoo, induces spontaneous joy. Okay, uh, that's nice. The Icon Pass lets you do you at 50 destinations worldwide from 249 Adult. Drop in for next winter now and save at IconPass.com. Hey, kiddo, how was the hill? Did you learn anything? Yeah, that ripping pow induces spontaneous joy. The Icon Pass lets you do you at 50 destinations worldwide from 249 Adult. Drop in for next winter now and save at IconPass.com. It was basically a cube with inside of sphere where the points of the cube uh, were touching outside of sphere. This isn't anything that just is limited to the United States. It's a worldwide phenomenon. That UFO podcast is powered by Zencaster. Zencaster is one of the world's leading platforms for recording and hosting podcasts. The open beta strives to put the power of studio quality remote video production into the hands of anyone with a story to tell. Features include HD video recording, studio quality sound, chat and footnotes. All running right from your browser so you can record from anywhere without ever installing anything. Check out the links in the show description to find out more. Hi everyone and welcome back to That UFO Podcast. It's your breakdown and probably the last one for the end of March, short on any massive breaking news happening. Uh, I've got Dan joining me for this one. Dan, welcome back. Hi, uh, good to be back. As always, as always. As always, yeah. <laughs> We've been busy the last few days. It's been nice after it's felt like kind of six or seven weeks of kind of all over the place. But I, I feel like I'm properly back in the groove now from early February. And yeah. uh, I've actually lined up five guests now coming up, which I've not done for quite a while. So I'm, I'm well ahead of the game, folks. Heads are back in it. Hopefully you have not noticed much difference in terms of quality or anything dropping. Or I think it's been six days when we released the Tom DeLong Part 2.5. It was six days from the previous release of anything. And normally we're at least two a week. So Yeah, yeah. And, and we had two close together there as well because we were a little late on the one before. So yeah, a little strange with the ske- schedules, but you know, it, it's nice to be back in the swing of things like you say. Absolutely. We'll keep on top of it. Uh, Listen, plenty to discuss in this breakdown as well. The first one was a bit of breaking news, wasn't it? Um, A couple of days ago, John Greenwald of theblackvault.com managed to get hold of the classified UAP task force report that uh, that we had dropped on us last June. A little bit to discuss. It's heavily redacted, you know, strips everywhere. Um, One of the most interesting pages is almost entirely black lines except the word common shapes and less common shapes or irregular shapes and it was and probably it would have been the most interesting page of the whole document potentially Um, probably but yeah so why do you think that's redacted the shapes yeah yeah do do you know what i'll give you the credit for this because you mentioned it first i've seen lots of people talking online about you know even like the sign the petition stuff let's get this unredacted blah 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 
there are there, there are reasons outside of ufos that this could be redacted um you can take it away dan because you mentioned potential reasons uh, when we were chatting uh, i think yeah, it might well, have been we, in the we've UAP been talking in group yeah about various different reasons <clears throat> and and i'm i'm leaning towards i mean one there could literally be photos of different devices in there 100 um, yeah. percent. you know so again that signals intelligence you've got to protect that um the other one is that say for example china has this new advanced secret uh triangular drone and america puts a picture of it in the uap report suddenly china knows that america knows there's a whole intelligence game being played here but i think the the people redacting things tend to just go with the broadest brush at first and then when they do the appeals you'll probably see bits of that table being revealed kind of like a you know a game of catchphrase if you're in the uk and know that program yeah and it's frustrating let's be fair because what your, your mind has to speculate and wander and go into overdrive and what could be there we could play a fantastic game on on ufo twitter or any social media of what do you think it says but it could it could literally say anything it could be mundane prosaic it could be absolutely mind-blowing or it could be something that to us makes no sense whatsoever yeah, but for me the, the standout of the whole document uh, is that page on on shapes and uncommon shapes they, there is um in in this document they specify basically that they were looking at range fowler reports for uh for intelligence to to analyze for uaptf to analyze and on the range fowler forms that were released uh, via the the dod reading room there, there is a section in there that asks about shapes and you can kind of tick the boxes so i imagine a lot of this kind of uh terminology is in there and basically all it is is round square balloon shaped wings uh other shapes apparent propulsion reflective opaque translucent markings metallic moving parts there are spaces on those forms where pilots can can expand on their reasoning for example one one range fowler form um reads it was difficult to assess in shape but it appeared as odd as it sounds to be and then the next word is redacted. So I don't think that's one of those uh, words that I just read out. So there, there's some interesting reports in those range fowler forms. I'm going to read the full page, which will take me a couple of seconds because this, folks, and the link will be in the description to the direct download from theblackvault.com. But the page itself, if you've not seen it, if you're not on, on social media as such, reads, it's redacted and then says, observers frequently described unidentified aerial phenomena as redacted, though redacted, such as a redacted shaped objects. Then there's two tables, which is common shapes, which is the larger table, which is fully redacted. And then underneath, less common slash irregular shapes, which is redacted, but a smaller table. What I find most interesting on that entire page, though, Dan, is just at the bottom, either side of two redacted boxes, it says, note, these images are... and in these tables, we don't know if these images are going to be sketches, drawings, yes. like you say, photographs, are they screenshots of video? Could be a mix, right? That's it. It could be it could be anything. It could say these images are classified, but it could say these images are, you know, for whatever. But I think that's the table that really lets your mind wander. And let's be honest, if it was at the end of the day, the potential of just sketches or drawings or first-hand witness, you know, reports, here's what I saw and I jotted it down, it might be a little bit disappointing in terms of, oh, this is what they saw, great, but you're as well taking our word for it. What you would be fascinated and really hoping is you've got that, oh, there's the tic-tac 50 feet off the pilot's wing, or there's that black triangle coming out the water, or, you know, all all that kind of stuff. That's what you're hoping. There's a little bit of that in there. And, and that would really make for interesting reading. But unfortunately, 
that's why it's redacted. Um, it's, I, I wonder if people appealing these redactions might impact the shape that the next UAP report takes. Maybe a lot of those shapes will be, you know, less redacted to start off with and it'll be less work to kind of, yeah, like meet us halfway and, and learn what the public wants and what they can actually share, you know? 100%. Was there anything else that stood out to you in terms of content um, other than the large amount of black boxes? Yeah, they, there was a line in there that says that they did, the UAPTF didn't have any MassInt to work with, which is measurement and signature intelligence. Um, basically, MassInt is used to uh, detect, track, identify, or describe characteristics or signatures, because uh, we've heard signatures, that's one of the observables, is signature management uh, of fixed or dynamic uh, target sources. Um, usually radar, acoustic, underwater intelligence, nuclear, chemical, biological. So there's a fairly wide swath of information included in that, and it's kind of hard to find, to define. But it's interesting that they said they didn't have any to work with because the, the legislation that's just gone through Congress specifies that they want to see the mass in that uh, has been in play. So I, I wonder if they're being a little coy with that or if you know they just don't have it and maybe that's what the Air Force has or something like that. Like you say, going forward, it'll be interesting to see what happens with the next series of reports. We know, and this is worth touching on, that the next classified report comes out uh, as due, sorry, by the 27th of March. So that, that could already potentially be out, and we just don't know it yet. It's not something... Well, that's a, that's a briefing, not a report. Oh, so that's, that's yeah. going to be like meetings and stuff 90 like day, that. 90-day update, wasn't it? 90-day update. Yeah, yeah, that's it. That, that could have happened already. It could be out. There might be some stuff floating about, but we won't necessarily see or hear any of that. I've stated this at the, on the last recording as well, Dan, that and the interview I've just done with Jazz Shaw, which will be out in a couple of days, I, I talked about this as well, that I just hope with the number of eyes that are now starting to see these briefings or be involved or ask questions at different levels of the Senate and Congress, all that kind of stuff, that we do kind of start to hear a little bit of the old phrase, loose lips sink ships from the war. Uh, yeah. as as much as you know i'm sure if you're american you don't want all this stuff coming out but if you're into ufos then we do want some of this stuff coming out because this is what interests us and it's the wow of the subject and the mystery that do you know it's so frustrating to think we're at a point now where we're literally seeing the government's ufo report for all intents and purposes and we're seeing the classified government's ufo report it's there it's literally right now in front of me on the yeah. screen and those black boxes stand between potentially some incredible information or not. And that's it. And it's so, yeah, it's frustrating. But uh, good work by, by John Greenwald. Very tenacious in, in going after these things. It's, it's taken a lot of work. It wasn't a one-off email and it came back to him. So tip of the hat to, to John Greenwald and long may he continue to do his thing. But again, I would encourage other folks to look into doing this as well because you don't know that you you get something. And here's a, a spoiler, the Jazz Show interview, I really enjoyed. Uh, Jazz was on, on really good form and was very, very knowledgeable on the subject. And he was talking about the, the FOIA process because this came up and he mentioned how as much as I've seen people going back and forward with, with this document and others with John, and he mentions that, well, no, there wouldn't be extra pages because they would have given me those extra pages with the length of the document. Jazz Shaw told me how he once foiled for a document he was literally holding in his hand, and he had a response back from the FOIA process to say the document didn't exist. <laughs> he had the document. He then sent them the reply. He sent them back the document and heard nothing else. So... 
that's where we're at. So I appreciate the work and John Greenwald and others will infinitely and always know more about the FOIA process than I do. And that's fine. That's not something I necessarily want to know much more about. I'm happy just receiving the information and dissecting it. But to say that there isn't a longer report potentially because, well, this is what they sent me. So this is what they have. I'm sorry. I, I Jazz Shaw himself has said they literally told him they didn't have a document that he had in his hands. We we spoke, we touched on this, a similar thing during the AMA. We were talking about uh, secret platforms being over Ukraine and and I think it was Graham Randall kind of said yeah. no. And we were like, well, there's kind of wiggle room in what the government tells you. Um, you, you know, I totally respect that they have a much more informed opinion than, than my conjecture. But there's always that little bit of wiggle room that we always find out in hindsight was, well, not always find out, but sometimes find out in hindsight that it's justified. Yeah, there's of course there's processes and protocols and you don't think though, let's let's just take something very blanket like Roswell, for example, that at the time someone went, yeah, but we've got a process for this and someone higher up went to hell with the process. Look, you know, we're going to do this. I don't care if it means X, Y and Z. This is what we're going to do. So, yeah. yeah. Can I, can, I, I, um, can I just pull something forward a little bit in the show, just because we're talking about this now? Um, yeah, the yeah. FOIA process should should be you know looked at by other people. And uh, there was, I think it's a Jack Brewer. He, he got this week a, a bunch of Bass and Orsat papers. We'll touch on the dudes later, but I just wanted to touch on the, the Orsat documents being released. It's been so long since we've heard about the Orsat stuff. We've heard a lot from Lekatsky, from Colm Com- Callagher. Um, and still we're getting new stuff that they told us didn't exist. And one of the most startling lines in it for me is that they they can now show with paperwork that ORSAP wasn't funded by the DIA, it was funded by the NSA. So that's black budget money right there. And they're not playing. They, they're going to be holding those cards as close to their chest as possible. And if they want to tell you it's 17 pages and look at you po-faced and you know pretend that there's nothing else, they will do that if it serves them. 100%. And the last thing for me on the the classified report that's heavily redacted was the the conversations over the length of the report was it 17 pages was it in its 20s or as people like Lou Elizondo said at the time it was it was over 70 pages and other people confirmed that too and what we got was obviously the much shorter version of the report John Greenwald's argument as well here's the report here and it's certainly not 70 pages but others would say and argue that there would likely be information on tables, graphs, you know, potentially pages of photographs. There could be all sorts of other information, indexes, appendixes that we just don't have access to that they've held back. I know some people, again, may say, well, they wouldn't do that, but I think you have to just take that on its on its merit. We have what we have. Personally, I think there was more to this report and we just don't see it. Yeah, I, I would be inclined to agree with you there. Uh, moving on, Lou Elizondo was on Linda Moulton Howe, which is two people I didn't think we would probably see together in an interview format. Um, it was surprisingly pretty good, and that's that's not a slight on either. I just thought it was oil and water in terms of the interviews and not to go back over old ground, you know, what happened a few weeks ago on the Theories of Everything interview and the arguments that ensued since. But um, I thought Lou was really calm, collected. Um, he gave some good answers. I thought Linda made some really valid points and questions. And I think there was a middle ground as well where things went a little bit all over the place. Um, I would recommend folks, and I'm going to say this a few times on this this pod, that if we are talking about someone else's content, 
please go and watch it or listen to it yourself. Don't take what we say as, oh, well, that's what they think and that's their opinion, so it must be correct. And, and because... we only see what we see in something as well. Yeah. You, you know, we, we, your, your kid runs past the door and you miss two seconds of audio and it could be something important. So, you, you know, go, go listen and maybe you'll pick something up that we didn't. And, and we also hear things in the same interviews, don't we, Dan, where I'll say, I took this from it and you'll say, mm, I thought this. Yeah, and yeah, like, absolutely. Well, we don't know it could be either and that's where you know someone has to follow up and um, so for me the notes i've got on it just as a few a few kind of standouts was um straight away linda moulton howe asked a question about you know are we dealing with something that's not homo sapien good use of language not saying human alien non-human intelligence you know because is it something that's homo something else to this planet who knows or um is it homo sapiens sapiens the correct term i believe isn't it um it keeps changing we keep finding all the ones with the same kind of brains that we have and realizing that our development was very different to what the mainstream science tells us 100 percent, lou and and with the question and something i'll, I'll, I'll preface with it and, and dan i don't think you've managed to catch the whole interview yet or have you not all of it no, no. i've been i've been knee deep in the dudes which we're, yeah. Yeah, we'll talk about. <laughs> um linda's questions are extremely lengthy um, and one question can sort of contain four or five different questions within it. So you can clearly see during the interview, quite candidly, Lou taking notes because at times I I forgot Linda's question by the end of the question. Something I'm always wary of myself when I'm when I'm interviewing a guest is try and break it down. But Linda can cover some pretty scientific topics, but also pretty fantastical topics, all in the one question, which. I don't know if Lou was necessarily evading some of the, the questions she asked, but she asked so much at one time, it was much easier for, for any guest to just answer what they wanted to out of it. Um, so on on that question, Lou discussed available data points and then talked about technological arcs in terms of, you know, when you look at, you would expect to see a, a technology progress at a, you know at a rate of you know we had the the telephone and then we had like the big mobile phones then we had smaller phones then we have like touch phones like we have now and that technology has made sense as it's gone along we didn't have alexander graham bell one day with a you know a phone dr watson come here i want you i believe is the first the first phrase and dr watson comes in and there you go the first telephone call was made oh, and yeah, then <laughs> yeah, ahoy hoy, or or hello wasn't it was the two hello, options yeah, yeah, and they it. voted yeah. for hello that's where the word came from facts folks facts um, <laughs> and uh we didn't have though the following week somebody say yeah you've got that but here's an iphone 13 pro max that's what we're kind of looking at and lose point as in terms of this technology we have you know these fighter jets that can do x y and z but on the other hand we then have something that seems to totally leapfrog everything else and in this roundabout way he, he answers the question of well no it's it's not homo sapien sapien it's it's clearly something else some a point he's made another um, other shows but i like the way linda That's, phrased her question <laughs> yeah and and it kind of gives you again that definitive confirmation that we're talking about something other right when it comes yeah. to what we're talking about with lou like it, it's not mankind or mankind's now we know it's the other one <laughs> yeah um a lot of folks um were, were picking up about linda's point which is made about ufos stopping nuclear war or nuclear launches and you know they're there to protect us they've got our best interests at heart and Lou made the point back to her which she had to say you know and fair play to her and argue it she just said that's a fair point that they don't stop all the testing that's going on today last week the week before months before that they didn't stop Hiroshima Nagasaki um, I've made the point you know we've had recently the Fukushima 
disaster with the nuclear plant, you know, going back further than that, Chernobyl, you know, these objects didn't stop those. They didn't help with those. They don't stop testing in the atmosphere, testing underground, testing underwater, which damages the planet, which kills countless animals and poisons the areas. And obviously there's a fallout from that as well. So why would they stop a nuclear launch that was going at a country now? And Linda Moulton Howe, to her credit, like I said, does say, yep, fair enough. It's a fair point. She does, within that, start to talk about the, um, some nuclear events and bases, and I would have liked to have heard her dig into those with Lou maybe in detail, but again, it was just in framing the wider question, but they were quite substantial and lengthy. Um, Lou is also asked by Linda if he's seen a UFO. Lou says, yes. Previously, it's a question he'd avoided where I think most people assumed the answer was yes. Um, I think the yeah, assumption... he, he always avoided saying no, didn't he? He would always say, yeah. I don't want to share because sharing my experience will become the focus of it. And that's not what this is about. Was it the end of Unidentified Season 2? When yes, he stands up was. and it's dramatic and he gets asked about his own experience and that's there's right. just no answer. And it's there was a bit of drama to it. But again, that was one of the early times Lewis posed that question. That That uh, is the end of episode eight of season two of Unidentified. If someone wants to go find it on YouTube, I just wanted to say where it was. And just before or just after the Chris Mellon monologue about... Just after, it's like the same segment. It's a fantastic monologue. In fact, I'll post it to Twitter again later. So have a yeah. look at <laughs> Yeah, I knew you had the video anyway. Um, so we're assuming Lou means he's seen it in person and it's not a video or via other means. Lou's obviously had access to sensitive data and the role he had within ATIP. So it's it's very much, I think, safe to say, yeah, Lewis saw something at least once in person. I've got a question, Dan, for you. Is there more sure. for Lou to lose or gain if he went into more detail? If we get to speak to Lou, which we're hoping to in four weeks, and I say to Lou, Lou, uh, and people will ask me to do this, but let's just talk about this out loud. Just now, and this is the process Dan and I go through with some of these interviews we talk about. I say, Dan, okay, um, I'm going to ask Lou, Lou, you told Linda Moulton how, yes, you've seen a UFO. Can you expand on that and tell me more about the experience? And let's just say Lou goes, do you know what? Why not? And he gives us a full, I saw something when I was in this place at this time. It was a triangular object flying about, doing this. There were lights on it, and then it went away. What what happens after that point? I, I've got to go further with your explanation there, just because there, there's been discussion about Lou and Hitchhiker effects and, and things that have been experienced. And I, I think the the full answer to what your, his experience was is going to be a lot stranger than mainstream conversation is comfortable with. On Tom's Along 2.5, we talked about, you know, what if Lou came out and said, oh yeah, there are these invisible beings that feed off you, feed off your negative energy when you're angry and things like that. You know, where would you go with that? I, I think it just stands to distract and I, I totally understand why he's like, you know what? I'm one data source. There are better pools of information for us to be talking about. Yeah, and that's what I go with it, that how much more is he going to say? without just, you know, I don't want to go into it right now, because again, I think it changes that conversation. And I believe as we start to approach the next wave of mainstream media, you know, people getting on top of this, Lou being interviewed on different platforms, hopefully elsewhere, Australia, the UK, Canada, everywhere else in the world, the conversation would probably hit straight away with, you know, oh, so you saw UFOs, you, you've seen aliens, tell me about it. 
and it's just always having to have that reset and go back. So for me, I don't see us getting too much more. There's maybe something to dig in with there for, for some point, but I, I don't think we're going to get much more in terms of an answer on that. The the interesting thing for me in that answer would be the implications from it, as opposed to lose experience, as interesting as that would be. It suggests that maybe he saw one through his work, which suggests that maybe he knew where to see one, which suggests that maybe there exist actual hotspots people could go to and they're more likely, you know, it kind of, it starts going down that rabbit hole and, and it's a whole can of worms to open. Absolutely. There, there are definitely follow-ups from it, but we'll hear those at the time when we speak to Lou. Um, last thing for me, um, Linda also made some out there statements. Again, it was an, it was encased within a huge question. And I do mean the questions go on for some time where she made a statement about, you know, she's spoken to people who have assured her and sources confirm that there are at least three ET civilizations on this planet. They've been here for at least 270 million years and the government knows this. I would have loved to have heard Lou's response to that. But Linda's question is quite lengthy and it ends up going past that and the point of the question is missed. Um, But like I say, Lou's kind of making the notes and I would encourage people to go and watch the interview. It's very mature from both parties. It's very well handled. Um, Linda just hit 200,000 subscribers. You know, there's a little party piece at the start, which is interesting about that. Um, But I I think it's a good discussion. really really pleasantly surprised by it and i would encourage folks to go and watch it including you dan when you get a chance to to get back do. and go it's, right over it's it queued up i can see the tab right now and um very quickly sean cahill was on jimmy church that's one that i've been watching myself as well I again love sean. <laughs> yeah everyone knows um a very relaxed conversation sean and jimmy going back and forward we've always said sean speaks incredibly well um a couple of things that stood out for me again folks always like to preface other content creators please go and check it out yourself on search fade to black on youtube and, and you'll see it's one of the most recent from from jimmy church um sean talks about searching through his own mind and how in the past he's had to to take time to meditate you know chill relax and go back through and think do you know what now i'm heavily involved in this subject where things in my past potentially uap ufo related where the events of high strangeness or as he said very frankly is it something that could be akin or put down to some form of mental illness or mental health issue Um, and that's fantastic to hear because i think we don't hear that enough that there are those instances where is that something that's happened or has it been a dramatic moment in someone's life where this is manifested or is it truly something of high strangeness, unidentified, UFO related? Um, so that that was nice to hear. And all of that has helped Sean better understand his own memories and help guide him to kind of where he's at in terms of the conversation, where Sean will still say on, on these conversations, I still don't necessarily know what we're dealing with here. But through his own experiences, it's kind of helped him come to a place where he can guide and kind of understand it. Skyfort is, of course, brought up um, by Jimmy Church. Sean addresses the rumours around it. And Jimmy mentions, you know, was this an agency company? Is it some, you know, elaborate setup? And and, and Sean, you know, quashes that pretty pretty well. Just fine. No, of course not. It was it was designed to help Lou. Um Go and listen to that. You'll hear that explanation. I would hope to have Sean on anyway to discuss that with us himself it was arranged a few uh, a while ago and we had to reschedule so hopefully get sean back on asap to discuss that as well but it's a good conversation again folks please go check it out um i enjoyed it 
Uh, Jimmy Church does some good interviews still. He's, there's a reason he's got as many subscribers as he has for as long as he has. So this is definitely one I would recommend folks go and check out if you're looking for some stuff this, this weekend to watch and listen to, other than ourselves, of course. Dan, anything to add on that one? I know that this is another one that's queued up for me. Uh, you, you know, I, I speak to Sean almost every day, so it's it's really lovely to hear him in a setting like Jimmy Church where he gets to speak to a bigger audience. So tomorrow I plan to sit out in the sunshine and have a proper in-depth listen and, and message him along the way and ask, what did you mean here? And really drill down. <laughs> nice. I'll let you take away the next part um, on the, you mentioned earlier on the Bigelow Aerospace Dirds. Um, uh, we're going to cover these in the coming weeks in detail. This is something that came up and you said to me straight away, there's, there's definitely something here for us to talk about in detail. Oh, hey, kiddo. How was the hill? Educational. Oh, learned a new trick? Yeah, the trick to a happy, fulfilling life, maybe. I learned that mountain air unleashes my inner peace. And rip and pow, well, the whole crew's all, you induces spontaneous joy. Okay, uh, that's nice. The Icon Pass lets you do you at 50 destinations worldwide from 249 Adult. Drop in for next winter now and save at IconPass.com. At length, uh, on yeah, its own totally. show and its own merit, um, but we just need the time to put that together, folks, and obviously do it justice for you as well, because yeah. there's plenty of really interesting information and potential discussions within those documents. But we would just have to batter it out and just talk nonsense about it just now. So, um, yeah, yeah, there's there's a lot to cover. It's all very scientific, and and what we're going to do is basically break them down into four groups, do four part show, um, just diving into a few of them, summarizing the papers, what use it might have been to a UAP program, um, and who the author was. Basically, I, I think that would be really interesting, um, and I haven't seen it done anywhere else. So, I think it would inform the conversation. But in a nutshell, um. Back when Bigelow was involved with uh, the DoD and, and doing the ORSAP program, they produced 38 defense intelligence reference documents. They're basically scientific reports that were, were paid for uh, by the taxpayers. And yeah, they, they would explore various different ideas based around exotic propulsion or energy technologies and various other things. One paper in the pile was classified, but there's an unclassified version included. No one kind of knows really which is which, but it might be the Kit Green biological effects and electromagnetic frequencies. So in in this list, we, we've only had about 16 or 17 of them before, but now we have 37, so all of them pretty much. Yeah. And, and we can see that UAP aren't really mentioned specifically throughout this this set of reports, but reading between the lines, a lot of this technology is it's all sci-fi stuff that very much is is UAP uh, adjacent. I'll say. I, I mean, there are papers on warp drives, uh, biomaterials, uh, advanced aerospace metamaterials, getting energy from the quantum vacuum, um, gravity wave communications. And it's just, yeah, there's a smorgasbord of things to talk about. But the one that kind of tips their hand, I think, is there's a paper where it wouldn't be included if this was just about advanced aerospace. The paper talks about the Drake equation. And the Drake equation is essentially, it's an argument used to estimate the number of extraterrestrial civilizations in our galaxy, intelligence, other than us. The the equation breaks down. I'm going to get a little, little nerdy here, <laughs> just because everyone hears it and, and people don't really get, get the details all the time. But it is the number of civilizations in the Milky Way whose electromagnetic emissions would be detectable is equal to 
the rate of formation of stars suitable for the development of intelligent life times the number of those stars that would have a planetary system times the number of those planets per solar system with an environment suitable for life times the fraction of suitable planets on which life actually appears, which might be like 1% of what we're talking about so far, uh, times the fraction of life-bearing planets on which intelligent life actually emerges, times the fraction of civilizations that develop a technology that produces detectable signs of their existence that we can pick up, times the average length of time such civilizations would produce those signs. So it's pretty nerdy, but it kind of tracks, right? You can kind of follow it through and go, okay, yeah, that makes sense. Even if we plug in 1% to this, it shows that there should be, that the basically we are not alone. And for some reason, we're just not seeing the life out there. Why that will be included when they're talking about, you know, advanced planes <laughs> is beyond me. This is one of the signs that just tips their hand to say, yeah, also I was looking at some very strange stuff and, and definitely uh, studying high strangeness and UAP. So you can see why we want to do that justice and, and dig into a few episodes about it as well. So that'll be coming up, folks. We look forward to that. Um, another country getting involved in the UFO discussion properly um, through Ronnie Verney. Uh, that's at Ronnie Verney. I'll put the link in the description on Twitter. Um, he reported that Brazilians uh, own Congress approved a request by multiple senators back in mid-March for a special session of discussion about UAP. It's due to take place near the 75th anniversary of World UFO Day, which can be the 24th of June or 2nd of July, depending on the celebration. So late June, early July, um, I think that's one to keep an eye on, folks. South American countries have a wonderful perspective o- on UFOs. It can be very different to what we experience in the UK or the US or Australia. R- Dan riddled. has firsthand. <laughs> riddled is the word I would use. <laughs> yeah, riddled with UFOs. Dan came back riddled with UFOs from Columbia. <laughs> um, so the, I think in terms of the conversation, you're going to see a little bit of that from a Colombian point of view and phenomenology with Dan Ash, Finney and co. Uh, and all those, all those folks early May. But it's great to see Brazil getting involved in the conversation because it would be good to see if something more could come from that, you know, public yeah. hearing. If they end up setting up their own office or task force and there's communication between the US office and Brazil. And the, again, we always say if the UK would get involved and do something like that as well, it just seems a million miles away for us in, in the UK that could happen. But look at Brazil paving the way i think there was at least seven senators i saw named i would have butchered yeah. the pronunciations which is why i didn't put all their names in there but if you follow at ronnie vernet at r-o-n-y-v-e-r-n-e-t on twitter you'll see the threads he's done some wonderful work on that and coming up soon uh, ronnie will hopefully be on the podcast to talk about that when he's when he's ready and got all That'll the information he requires so um top work being done there definitely an account worth following um and again, you can see that progress is being made in the subject, folks, outside of the, the bubbles we can all kind of live in. Um, we touched on this one earlier. Classified briefing, uh, a classified uh, update is due. The first 90-day update by the 27th of March. It may or may not have happened already. Um, there's no reason we should see anything, folks, as we mentioned before. Unfortunately, uh, the usual suspects will, of course, be involved in the FOIA process. Again, other folks should do the same. Um, Dan? What I would hope, though, we, we sort of touched on this, is whatever comes out in the background could lead the direction of what's going to happen next in terms of the working offices, ASRO, AOIMSG, whatever might be happening, these reports could certainly help 
push forward okay we're going to go with this direction we're going to look into this if this is happening right now for example say they find and i'm just going to spitball here i've not even noted this down but would they find out in the last couple of weeks especially over the course of february there have been an uptick in tic-tac sightings off the coast of san diego with different navy groups maybe that encourages them to do more quicker it might help in terms of funding it might help them point the money they may have to spend in that direction who knows but it, it's certainly going to have some form of impact isn't it yeah absolutely uh, one, one of the big things from the the bills for me that passed whether they get to name and shame in these briefings and reports non-cooperative organizations so if the airport air force doesn't start playing ball there's actually a legal framework that they can pressure them through now and you know it's not likely that people go to jail but they those threats exist now because the law has been passed that's what it is we haven't had this before it's amazing it's going to have such a big impact we we get a whole bunch of reports i'm just going to put key dates here so you've already touched on the one that's coming up the briefing on the 27th or around the end of this month then in June, um, we're going to have the first classified quarterly report that's based on the legislation that's just passed. That required four reports a year, all classified. Um, we'll have another one of those in September. Then also in September, we'll have our classified semi, semi-annual briefing for the stuff that passed over Christmas. So that's the, the March thing um, as well. Then 31st of October, we've got the first of four because that's how long this program is going to last till 2026 the first of four unclassified reports that may include a classified annex um and that's what we'll actually see uh as the public as our next report then in december we'll get a third classified quarterly report and then the end of that quarter which you know will bump up against march again probably um we'll get our, our last report from the IAA. And then those six dates will kind of pretty much cycle out year over year for the next four years now, which is pretty exciting. <laughs> we, we, we were stoked to get one preliminary report. Now, now we're getting six updates a year to the right people. And one of those is for us. Yeah, I've got a good feeling from April and the next, from the next couple of days, we're going to start hearing some more information coming out. I, I would like to think this is the start of the, the the end of that down period everyone's talked about and with the more information coming out the more discussion or valuable discussion will be online and the more those big names and players will have more to talk about um so yeah hopefully... and, and imagine that amongst all this we get project galileo taking a picture of a uap or uapx showing people that actually you can coax these things out of the water with, with decent frequency in the right places it, it's going to change the game for what is included in these reports and what the officials want to know definitely and that's a nice little segue into one of the last points um if you hold on folks for the last part i'll be discussing and telling you some of the guests coming up i've booked in some names finally and um, some good ones in there too they're all good ones um but if you're looking for something else to watch this weekend and you've watched the the, the latest spate of interviews from leila zondo sean cahill and others then you have the scu um, panel on the 27th of March between 7 and 9 p.m. Central Time. That's at explorescu.org. I'll have the link in the description. It's a roundtable on UAP Enigma versus Stigma. Uh, and then the following day on the Monday, I'm interviewing Rich Hoffman of SCU. So any questions for Rich, get those over at ufouapam at gmail.com. Rich has got a fascinating background as well. So that, that's one to look forward to. Um, I'll also give a shout out to Nathan from Calling All Beings, a waif soul. If you speak to Nathan online, he's really good and he's on our Discord all the time. Um, the Rice University lectures are now available online, which include one from Jacques Vallée as well. So definitely worth checking those out if you're looking for some stuff to peruse through. It's at impossiblearchives.rice.edu forward slash blah, blah, blah. You're not going to remember that. 
the link will be in the description folks more for you to check out um finally some upcoming guests so i've just spoken to jazz shaw yesterday as we record this that'll be out uh, on patreon spotify premium all that good stuff in the next kind of today basically uh, on friday the 25th of march it was a really interesting conversation great to speak to jazz uh, a seasoned journalist with his you know military background and we had a really good kind of back and forward Jazz also opened up and shared in a lot of detail his five experiences that he had with between him and his wife uh, in the last couple of years that were really interesting to hear. A real mix of experiences in there as well. Um, so that'll be available very soon and it'll be on Monday for everyone on the free feeds. Then I've got Rich Hoffman uh, of SCU and he's got a fantastic scientific uh, background as well, an engineering background. Get in touch if you've got any questions for Rich. Then I've got Chris Rutkowski. His interview is being recorded before Rich, but will go out after. If you remember when I spoke to Daniel Otis, uh, Chris Rutkowski has been involved in the research in Canadian UFOs for nearly 20 years, and he's got a book coming out uh, in the coming months on that too. So if you're Canadian particularly, you might have a real interest in that one. Chris is the go-to guy. He's got a lot of official documents from the government as well uh, in terms of Canadian UFOs. We're really looking forward to that conversation. Um, then into the month I've got Avi Loeb who's coming on to give us an update on the Galileo project I think it might be a good time to get some questions in for Avi Loeb looking forward to that one it's been a while since we spoke to him Lou Elizondo is scheduled in for the 23rd of April so again folks I have a a ton of questions already for Lou feel free to send over any more but we'll we'll do our best to get through what we can with Lou on that interview and then one other interview for this month will be a remote viewer from the UK who has an interest in, in, in historical involvement in UFOs and remote viewing as well so I'm really looking forward to that I'll wait till I've got a date locked in and um, which hopefully will be today to have that conversation with everyone but that's pretty much what's coming up uh Dan Anything, any more for any more from you? No, I think that's everything. The James Webb hasn't exploded. It's all going well. That's the most update you need. It's, yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you very much, folks. And if you've made it this far, just a reminder again, if you are on YouTube, can you go and subscribe to the channel? That would be fantastic if you're watching the stuff on there. Same with you. If you're on Apple or Spotify, can you go on and subscribe on those channels? And if you can, leave us a review as well. It's always greatly, greatly appreciated. It makes a difference with Apple and Spotify's charts as well. Um, we're a small podcast and it's difficult in those science charts with all those celebrities to to kind of get any traction and we manage to do it quite often so those reviews and the interaction on those means a lot and makes a massive difference as has the youtube channel with so many of you on youtube watching and coming over from toe and all that kind of stuff as well so yeah it, it means a lot it's, it's very much appreciated it, it all really helps in terms of when we reach out to guests as well you, you know, if we maybe for a day overtake Brian Cox's podcast, we, we get to go, oh, hey, hi, you might have seen us in the charts, you know, and, and it's just an easier way to connect. So, yeah, it, it all really helps in ways that just, you know, people people aren't even aware of. 100%. Folks, exciting times ahead. Thanks, Dan, for joining me. Been a pleasure. Thank you. Uh, there was a lot to go through, but uh, we got there. Good job. It was. Enjoy your weekends, folks, and let us know if you listened to any of those interviews and what your thoughts were. That is all for this week's show. Thank you very much for listening. Please remember to leave the podcast a review on your chosen platform. You can like, retweet and subscribe. That would all be very much appreciated. The shows are being uploaded onto YouTube as we speak more and more. You can sign up at patreon.com forward slash podcast to access the shows ad-free as well. Please get in touch on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, thatufopodcast.com. 
of course on Twitter it's at UFO UAPAM and again folks as always keep looking up you never know what you might see It wasn't a tic-tac and not quite a saucer, more like a hubcap designed by Chaucer. A little baroque and quite steampunk, like Alice was playing bass for the Parliament of Folk. The little fucker hovered right outside of my window, and when I shoved out the screen, he made it an issue. I don't think he expected me to see his ass, but I'd had some champagne and smoked a little more I was about to abduct you, cuz. I jumped back and nearly kissed myself, and I climbed out the window after the elf, and I woke up in my bed, and there was something on my head, and everything was weird, and everything was red. I called up my boys, they thought this was noise, they thought it was a dream, they thought it was my toys, they thought it was my problems, and I think I should see therapy, and I don't know what it is, because it doesn't really scare me.